Good morning. Welcome to Connect, California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Dustin Hobbs, Communications Director here at the California MBA. We've got a great, great episode today. We've got a great guest. I'm excited to uh, get into the conversation with him here in just a sec. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, thank our sponsors at Incelerate. Incelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement as the mortgage industry's most innovative marketing and sales engagement platform. Incelerate CRM helps lenders manage workflow, contact strategies, lead management, referral, and realtor partners in reporting. Incelerate's engagement platform automates multi-channel marketing through social media, email, direct mail, text messages, ringless voicemail, and phone calls. All pre-built with the strategies and content to enable a better borrower engagement. Incelerate integrates with the software that's powering your business today and into the future. In addition, the platform is SOC 2 and SSAE 18 certified to satisfy the most closely regulated businesses, and that includes banks with mortgage subsidiaries. So for more information or to check out a demo, visit Incelerate.com, or you can contact the company at the phone number listed in the description below. So before we get into our conversation here, uh, which we'll dive into in just a second here, I want to toss it over to uh, Susan Malazzo, our CEO, for this week's weekly video update. Susan? Hi, this is Susan with the California MBA here with your weekly video update. This month, we are having our latest installment of our quarterly members only webinar. We started those this year as a way to share uh, additional level of information with our member companies. We start out with a legislative update, what's happening here in the California legislature. Um, I will talk about a few uh, benefits of membership to make sure that companies are taking full advantage of uh, their membership with our association. And we also uh, feature a presentation on a topic relative to residential lending and also to commercial lending. So for the month of August, uh, this quarter, we're going to be focusing on technology for both of those industries. So we'll be happy to welcome Josh Friend, CEO at Incelerate, who's going to be providing information on residential technology. And for commercial technology, we'll be welcoming Anthony Romano, CEO of eScreen Logic. That webinar will be held on August 25th. And if you're a member of the California MBA, you'll receive information on how to register for that uh, in the coming weeks. Also wanted to let you know that uh, if you visit our website, uh, we have started a blog. So your opportunity to um, post some discussion topics and uh, get some conversation going in the real estate industry, certainly lots to talk about in 2020. So visit our website, cmba.com, and be part of that discussion. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time. All right, thanks, Susan. I think we've got a, a great uh, members-only webinar coming up. So everyone, if you're a member of the California MBA, make sure that uh, you respond to the email invitation that you'll get from our office and check that out. Again, it's only available to members. So it's a great opportunity to take advantage of your membership and get some really good information. So with that, I wanna welcome Ryan Chapman uh, to the conversation today. Ryan is the Senior Vice President at Walker Dunlop. He's also the Commercial President on our Board of Directors and been involved with the association for a number of years. and good friend of uh, the California MBA and lenders throughout the state. So welcome, Ryan. Thank you, Dustin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, let's start at the beginning, Ryan. Why don't you tell us uh, sort of your background, your journey, what, uh, you know, how'd you get into business and how'd you wind up there uh, where you're at now at uh, Walker Dunlop? Sure. Yeah, I got my start in uh, real estate through an internship while I was in grad school. Uh, I had worked for a pension fund advisor over a summer where myself and another intern had conducted a research project, uh, interestingly enough, on what, what value companies placed on different amenities as they were considering uh, leasing of office space. 
you know, I kind of think that interesting today because with the, the pandemic going on, a lot of the talk is about what's going to happen with office space moving forward and our tenants going to move from the, you know, high rise, big CBD offices out to the, to the suburbs or not. Um, but anyway, you know, uh, learn a lot of the basics of uh, real estate terminology and the differences between the different quality of assets, you know, based on their location, their access to amenities and uh, transportation and such. Uh, after the internship, I was fortunate enough to leverage a lot of the contacts I made at that firm, which ultimately led me to uh, the mortgage banking and mortgage brokerage industry, uh, where I landed a job at Johnson Capital, which was a California-based uh, firm that at the time had maybe seven or eight offices, mostly in the West, but one, one or two back in the Midwest and in the East. Uh, there, I started off just working as a real estate analyst, learning the uh, terminology, learning the ropes of real estate. I worked with one of the firm's consistently top originators, got to touch a lot of different deals, work on a lot of different types of transactions, got exposure to a lot of different aspects of uh, real estate finance. You know, it, in addition to representing a handful of insurance companies and brokering loans to the conventional market, uh, we were a Freddie Mac lender, but we weren't a Fannie Mae lender. So we, we did our Fannie Mae loans through other Fannie Mae lenders, and, and one of the the top uh, Fannie Mae lenders that we worked with uh, was a company called Green Park Financial, which is which was the mortgage banking, the Fannie Mae lending arm of Walker and Dunlop. They were an East Coast-based company uh, that had started growing to the West. As I mentioned already, we were a West Coast company growing to the East. Well, in the uh, end of 2014, Walker and Dunlop acquired Johnson Capital. Uh, at that time, I was straddling, uh, kind of working between production uh, as well as kind of operations and corporate. And I, I transitioned over to an entirely operations role, which is where I am now uh, at Walker and Dunlop. And I focus, you know, I manage a team of analysts and closers, and I focus on improving efficiencies and collaboration across the platform. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. It's an interesting journey, especially when uh, we've talked to so many folks on the, uh, whether on the residential or the commercial side, who are on the, you know, the production or the origination side. So I'm curious to see your, to hear your insights sort of from the operations side. Um, so let's let's start, you know, get into it a little bit here. Um, how is the company adapting to the pandemic right now? Obviously, I mean, you mentioned it, you know, sort of top of mind for everyone right now. How, well, what's the, uh, you know, the status there at uh, Walker Dunlop? Yeah, you know, you, you talk about the, the new normal and uh, I was commenting to someone the other day, you know, I, I really feel like we, we've adapted to the new normal in a sense, although although now with us going into the fall and, and a lot of our employees and, and their kids starting school, whether it's going to be virtual or in, in, play, in person, that new normal is probably going to be looking a little different, uh, you know, a week or, or two weeks, three, a month from now. But, but from the perspective of how we've, we've adapted, you know, our company, they telegraphed the idea that we might be working from home in early March, maybe a week or two prior to everything really happening and everybody being sent home. Uh, we, were, we, we were sent home, right, you know, like March 12th, March 13th, right, as everything uh, in the pandemic was, was unfolding here in the United States. Uh, and the company made a really concerted effort to, to get our IT department and our office services teams to get every, everybody connected and up and running as, as quick as possible. And we managed very well. You know, clearly there were, you know, it had some issues where people maybe didn't have the, the right tech in place. Uh, we worked to get it to them, made sure that people uh, worked to have a, a reasonable space to work at home. 
uh, started uh, having more calls and whatnot to uh, to keep everybody connected. You know, we've seen uh, uh, things that have happened as the as we've unfolded here is we've got a number of different departments that would have weekly or biweekly calls, and you know. We've really, the calls that were bi-weekly have now moved to weekly. Calls that were weekly might be happening by twice a week now, uh, where we had participation in calls that might have been department specific. We have a lot more overlap now. So uh, team members in our investment sales group will listen in on the capital markets group call and capital markets group folks will listen in on the, the multifamily call. Um, you know, our calls are very structured. Uh, they're they're typically at the same day, same time each week. Uh, so there's a consistency uh, in there. You know, we've added a, a, a nationwide call for for all departments uh, to to talk about the goings on of the week, the the deals that are getting done, the the challenges that people are having, uh, talking about things that are happening on the stimulus side or in the on the political front, and how that may or may not affect what we're doing. Um, we've hosted, we started hosting a series of, of calls to clients and prospects hosted by our company CEO. You know, interestingly enough, they're on Wednesdays. Our company's called Walker and Dunlop, and it's a webcast. So, you know, That's perfect. the Wednesday Walker webcast is what yeah. it is. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's been uh, very well received. Um, you know, our CEOs hosting leaders from industry, uh, from the educational world, from politics, from healthcare to talk about uh, pertinent issues of the day, whether they're directly real estate related or or related to the pandemic. Yeah, it seems like everyone has sort of figured out that uh, you know if we can't all see each other in the office and and you know gather around the proverbial water cooler and find out what's going on that you know it seems like a lot of companies it sounds like you guys specifically have figured out that it's just more communication and like you said more overlap and it's not you know you know weekly or monthly meetings now it's you know much more often and and like you said more cross more cross pollination between departments and and uh, job functions yeah sure you know I, i've got i've talked to some some team members who i know would have a, a weekly team call whether it was everybody in the same office or if they had a team member that was another office that would join via phone and and a lot of those teams have gone to daily calls you know they'll they'll connect at 9 15 in the morning or four in the afternoon talk about you know what the critical path what the deliveries are for the day what to pause on what to move forward on uh to really to really make an effort to to move the ball forward you know with um another thing that's happened you know no one's traveling uh you know we are you know, we have the ability to travel for business now but uh, it's pretty restricted and very few people are wanting to get on airplanes. Um, so, you know, we're leveraging the fact that we're a nationwide company and I'm sure other firms are doing this as well. Uh, I've got a, was talking to a team member just the other day here in Southern California who's working on a transaction in the Pacific Northwest. We happen to have a, a couple teams of folks up in, in the Portland area. So he's connected with one of the Portland team members. And she's going to help him by uh, doing a site visit, getting some pictures taken at the property, which is a condition of the closing. Uh, so if he can't make it specifically to the property right now, we can still get that transaction done. That makes sense. And yeah. Um, yeah, one, okay. yeah. One other thing that we've we've done is in, in managing our staffing. You know, we uh, we didn't put a hiring freeze in place as this all, all uh, unfolded, although we we kind of re reverted to maybe more essential hires. 
and we we looked at where there was potentially some capacity as as maybe a team or a, a department maybe wasn't as as active and looked at the ability to reallocate some resources you know if the the production volumes or if the transaction volume initially you know fell off because lenders might have might have stepped back from the market in some regard um, although we have been able to be very successful uh, we had a lot of requests coming in on the forbearance side on our on our servicing portfolio whether it was through um, the insurance company uh, deals that we service for or our own portfolio and so made our made our teams available to help out in that regard got it well, and now I'm curious, uh, you know, you've kind of touched on this a bit, but I'm curious if, uh, you know, from the operations side where you're on, where you're at, what's, you know, maybe the biggest challenge right now for operations, you know, folks like yourself? Sure. You know, I, I then some of these things maybe be uh, challenges at any time. Maybe they're a little more exacerbated uh, today. You know, one one of them I'll, I'll touch on is I think really kind of because of what's happening right now and the way that we're, uh, working in a, a distributed work environment. The other one is, you know, in operations, we're always looking for ways to, to do things that are better and be more efficient and provide, provide new resources and tools to our teams. And the big, a big challenge we have is, is adoption and buy-in. You know, folks are used to doing the things that the way they've done it always. Uh, when we launch a new or improved system, you know, we've got to show some immediate value to the user. Otherwise, they're they're likely to to not, you know, to not buy into it or adopt it. And, you know, it becomes somewhat of a chicken or the egg in a sense, right? You, I need you to use the system to provide me the data as you're putting it in real time so that I can aggregate that and show you the value in, in, the, in what I'm spitting out to you. And, and, and showing you uh but you can't see the value until that's there right yeah and, you know if there's a bug or a glitch in the system you know they you're going to lose their attention very quickly um so you know we might have the ideas and ways to put it in place but we've got a development team's got to help us put it all together from a from a production uh development standpoint and so the critical piece there is to identify the issues quickly to you know, do the workarounds you need to to get them done, but but get in there and get them fixed, and and finding that fix is paramount. Yeah. Piece. The other piece that really kind of comes you know out, and this is really for me, uh, and I imagine for others as well, it, exacerbated is is time management. You know, I mentioned to you earlier we've added all these calls, um, and we're a nationwide firm. So the you know when I start my day at a normal work day, if I get on it. 8, 8.30, it's already 11, 11.30 on the East Coast. Uh, and if people are gonna take a break for lunch and they got other stuff going on and they're all working from home and you have all these other things going on, you've got a short window of time before that, that break happens. And then when I come back from my break in the middle of the day, if I'm getting the lunch in, their, their day's kind of ending. So you gotta, you gotta kind of work with that. Uh, confines. I'll, I'll have days where we'll start calls at, you know, first thing in the morning and they'll be back to back to back. And you have very little time to take the information you, you talked about in one call and aggregate it and maybe do a follow-up thing before that next call starts. So, you know, what, what I think is really forced me to do is think about who am I interacting with today? 
um, what are the needs? What's everybody's priority? Uh, do I call the team member on the West to deal with his issue, his or her issue, or am I working with somebody back East uh, so that you know the tomorrow morning we're not just in this endless cycle of not being able to connect with one another? And you get very you get real adept at managing your screens. You know, uh, some some folks are working off one screen. Others, we, in the office, we we always have two two screens. So you you're managing those screens. You've got you know the Zoom call happening on one side of the screen. You got your note taking happening on the other side of the screen, and and just trying to manage the whole process. Yeah. Well, and I have to imagine too. I mean, it is at least I found this that uh, you know that additional workload that we all have right now, trying to manage you know additional calls and, and communication. It's kind of nice to not have your you know commute that most people, especially in California, have that long you know hour two hours a day commute. So at least that's kind of helped out. You know, you you add on a couple more hours worth of work, but you know at least you're saving some of the commute. Yeah, I've got I've got my my stead response when people ask me how things are. I say I love my commute. You know, I'm <laughs> exactly. I don't have uh, two feet between my bed and the uh, the desk. Right, right. At the other, the flip side of that is, at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta get away from it. You gotta put that screen down and 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 disconnect. Yeah, no kidding. It's almost like that that uh, you know, for me at least, the hour drive home is almost a nice way to you know disconnect and be able to go home and be present there. Um, right, it's definitely a challenge. Um, curious, what uh, what are you guys hearing about? Uh, what are you hearing about when you talk to your producers about the uh, the state of the industry itself? You know, uh, there, there's still business to be done. Uh, it, there's there's no better time to be a uh, mortgage broker or mortgage banker as an advisor uh, when things are challenging. You know, folks are folks are really in need of advice. They're in need of connections to to capital. Uh, there is capital out there, uh, certainly. And you know, we we can we'll talk a little bit further. I think about some of the sectors and kind of how they're doing. And uh, clearly, you know, retail is a, a, outside of the you know daily needs. Grocery anchor um, has got some issues and challenges with whether or not. Uh, the inline tenants are open, uh, able to pay their rent, and those kinds of things. Uh, but there's there is definitely business out there to get done, and and with the stimulus that's the government's put in place, with the bond market uh, trading where it is, uh, you know, interest rates, you know, who, who knew they could get this low? Uh, you know, we're safe this low, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and and potentially for for the foreseeable future being being low. Now, no one's got the crystal ball. I'm not going to guess to where it's going to be, you know, 12, 18 months from now. But um, this is a great time to to transact if if you can, right? You know, you can get on the multifamily side, long-term fixed-rate financing, well inside of three uh, percent. On the commercial side, you're you're in the you know, high to, you know, but probably in the, in the threes kind of thing for, for moderately leveraged transactions. Um, you know, it's, uh, our producers are, are doing everything they can to stay connected to their borrowers. Um, you know, initially it was uh, solely phone calls and Zoom calls and, and in, in the business, and I'm sure in other industries as well, some people adapted the idea of having a video interview or video conference call uh, very well and others have been now uh, you know I'm still on my phone and that's how I work and that's fine uh, it doesn't mean you can't connect with them uh, and now that you know in certain markets things have opened up 
more and people can actually have meetings. You can have a socially distanced meeting. Uh, you can you can get together with a small group of people and and talk about things that are important. The other thing that that our teams have done is they're, they're they work on that collaboration angle. They're you know they can't maybe they're not traveling to go visit the client, but you might have a investment sales team member uh, from Dallas working with a, a capital markets producer in Los Angeles uh, talking to a client that's in Denver. And and you can you can get it done. Yeah, yeah. Well, then uh, speaking of the market here, so you know, obviously, you know, I mean, you mentioned uh, you know the problems that uh, I think you know sounds like retail is going to have. What do you think? Uh, what's the biggest or the, the biggest hurt that we're going to see long term? Is it going to be in the retail sector or office or hospitality or something else? Well, sure, does. I got I put the put the positive hat on, right? Everything's going to be better. It's all going to get better. Everybody's going to be fine. Uh, you know, clearly hospitality is taking a, a huge, huge hit right now. Um, but you know, it, it, that said, um, the staycation concept that there's a ton of pent up demand. People are really, really wanting to get out and go and do. And so where you can drive to, which you know, a lot of in, within the country, there's a lot of places that folks can drive and can, can vacation and can do it in a you know, socially distanced manner and be safe about it. Um, so I think some of that will actually, the, the hurt won't be as bad, but you know, right now you, know, you had a few months where hotels were effectively closed. Um, and, and when a lender is looking at, you know, underwriting a deal and looking at trailing months and, and seeing what the, the likelihood going forward is, and there's so much unknown with what is going to be the next step with the pandemic. So hospitality definitely has got uh, a challenge. Um, and, and the resort hospitality where you, islands where you've got to fly to, um, you know, I, I gotta believe that's gonna be a huge hit. We we looked at some uh, some traffic data was came out in a report I believe it was on Bloomberg that talked about the the traffic patterns of uh, states cities and states across the country uh, from February through sometime in May or June as things started to open up and we, as you can expect a lot of stuff dropped off. Um, dramatically. Now, this is driving traffic, kind of commuting back and okay. forth. Okay, this is that. I was going to say, I think there's yeah. been something out about that iPhone, using the iPhone data to track movement. Right, dropped off dramatically, and then and then it started to pick up. But one place that it has dropped off and stayed dropped off in the United States is Hawaii, right? Because mm -hmm. the tourists just aren't able to to go and get there and and be there. So if you think of that kind of perspective, that's that's going to be a big challenge. Um, you know, retail uh, right now it's tough, like I've, I mentioned earlier before. Um, but I think we get through that. I think we see, you know, businesses are being resilient in a in a manner. They, their restaurants are moving their seating outdoors. Uh, can they can they continue to operate on a half capacity issue? That could be a problem, kind of long term. But retail outside of the restaurant side uh, and where you go and experience. Retail is seeing some stress anyway from the online world, right? So maybe maybe the effect on retail is is not just related to the pandemic. It's it's kind of a trend that was going that way. Uh, 
multifamily is is it remains the darling of the industry. You've got you know incredibly low rates, lots of capital going after multifamily. People need a place to live. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna stay stay continue and continue to be there. Office is an interesting one. Um, you know we our offices uh, are now open um, in mo most of our offices I should say uh, not all of them. Uh, we're not requiring people to go back to the office uh, right now. Uh, we 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 won't require anyone to go back to the office at least uh, through the end of this year. You know in the end of the first of next year. Uh, and I think I'm hearing a lot of other companies are are doing the same. But, and we adapted and we're able to work remotely, but at some point we're gonna wanna get our teams back in the office. It's, it's important to be able to collaborate, it's important to be able to train, it's important to be able to mentor, uh, and it's a much more conducive environment to, to, to work and get business done. So, you know, does office shift, does the CBD shift, do people move to the, to the suburbs? Yeah, maybe, but that maybe is a short-term thing because there's still going to be a draw for the New York City office, the San Francisco office, the Chicago sure. office. So, if you say long-term, does office really take a hit? It might it might change in some sense and in, in the demands of what people are needing uh, as far as as overall space. But I think I think it still is going to be a viable viable space. It's just going to be a challenge for the uh, the short term. Do you think in this, uh, we didn't, you know, discuss it beforehand, but I'm curious now that uh, you mentioned office, it, you know, kind of triggered something in my head. Um, do you think that there's going to be a move away long term from sort of that open office concept that uh, seemed to be in vogue in the last, you know, five, 10 years or so? Maybe. I mean, I think it depends on the, you know, some businesses thrive in that environment and others don't. Uh, I think that you know, the the virus obviously has got to get under control. Um, the the idea of sharing a desk right now is not even possible. Um, so that's going to make that sort of environment very difficult to to do. It's you're going to be converting that space in a temporary manner so that you can maintain the social distancing versus versus having it be that big big open space. But uh, time time will tell on that. Sure, sure. So let's uh, switch gears here. I'm curious uh, your thoughts on this, uh, you know, because I know this has been something that's been sort of close to your close to your heart for a while here. Um, how is the industry doing on getting more uh, young folks involved in the industry, engaged in the industry? And I mean, that's through whether it's future leaders programs like ours or other associations. What's your sense on uh, where things are? Sure. The and, that, and those are great questions. And and the thing that you mentioned there is. Uh, programs that are available to people that are already in the industry, all right? And so those are really important because they're making the connections for people who are uh, uh, younger in their careers or newer in their careers uh, to connect with uh, with senior executives, to, to, to connect with folks on other sides, uh, aspects of the business, other components of the business, whether it's uh, the California MBA's Future Leader Program, which which has a great opportunity to get folks to connect and network with with others. Uh, then NAOP has a similar program. It's Young Professionals Group, which is very successful. ULI's got one, and our company supports uh, putting putting folks in those programs. But those are all ones that are, as I mentioned, there for folks that are already already in the industry. I think the the key now is to to draw people into the industry. 
And, and you really have to, you got to go out and you got to, you got to promote yourselves. You got to promote the company. You got to get out in front of it. You need to visit the, the schools. You need to participate in the, in the career fairs. Uh, you know, a lot of people just don't come out of college today and say, I want to be in real, real estate finance. Um, they You're one of the few that I've talked to that, I mean, you, it sounds like that was your sort of your career path from early, early on. Well, no, that was, uh, that was, that was a little later. It was out of grad school that I, that I got into real estate. I was, I was, uh, I floated around in a couple different industries before that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's showing people what, what makes real estate, uh, work. Uh, that there's there's all different components of the of the sector that you can be involved in, uh, and and it's and it's internship programs. You know, what, uh, I'm touting ourselves. You know, it was very challenging this year with the idea of having an internship program, but but we made a concerted effort to to still have it. It was it was truncated. It wasn't our typical internship program is. Uh, 10 weeks full-time uh, working in an office with a team a producer or production team uh, learning the business working on real deals uh, it was more of a, of a mentoring uh, opportunity this summer uh, the the interns uh, still had a group project that they worked on they had a schedule each week that was a few hours a day uh, it included uh, a quote-unquote lunch and learn with uh, senior senior level folks, senior executives at the company to talk about what they do in their business and how how the business runs, uh, but still something to to show people what what we do in real estate and that you can make a great career in it. Yeah, I think one of the interesting and it sounds like you guys kind of do that uh, take that approach at least is that uh, you know just talking to you know younger folks and and uh you know in at least in my social circle and others that uh, you know you tell them that you know i'm in the mortgage industry or the real estate finance industry and you know their immediate thought is you know a realtor or and then after that they don't really know what else there is and to your point i mean there's tons and tons of opportunity and tons of different positions i mean like you're on the operations side dealing with people and people issues and and you know how to make the company go and you know, you can be behind the scenes in front, you know, and, and all those stuff. I think you're right about that just being an education thing and, you know, talking to people earlier on in their, uh, you know, career paths. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's an interesting concept. We, we've attended career fairs before and, and you do get a lot of that comment about, oh, well, my, my uncle's a, a real estate agent. And then you, you go into kind of a, you know, discussion on, you know, yeah, that's that's a component of the real estate industry too. That's the residential side. We're on the commercial side. This is how the commercial side is is different. This is how it's similar. Uh, but it's it, it it takes a education to to get out there and and explain to people what it is that we do. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then you know, I'm curious to know, you know, especially with the pandemic, and you know, it, it, I'm curious, you know, even with the internship program and stuff, how is uh, how are you guys, uh, you know, maintaining your corporate culture? How are you, you know, how is that work from home thing affecting corporate culture beyond just the additional calls and stuff? How do you maintain a culture, you know, not only you know in the environment we're in, but at a larger company that you guys are that you guys have there? Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah, we're, I wouldn't call us a large company. You know, we're definitely larger than when I joined. When I joined, we were at about 450 people, and uh, we just passed 900 employees uh, in the last week or two. So we doubled in size in, in the five and a half years that, that I've been with Walker & Dunlop. But, um, 
you know, it's it's definitely 900 people is a lot of people to to keep track of and to to keep to keep uh, engaged. You know, we we consider our employees to be very driven and and very tenacious. We talk about our values; those are two of the two of the values that we we hold dear, and and we expect that you know they're going to be resilient as well. But at the same time. You know, we recognize the pandemic is going to affect everyone in a different way. It's the challenges to them and their families and 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 folks around the world. And and everybody's situation is different. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna uh, you know respond to it in a in a different way. As I mentioned, you know, our our offices are open now. And most of them are, uh, but less than 15% of our workforce has has gone back into the office to work. Uh, we've been we're just continuing to manage working remote. So. We've done a, a lot of things to really keep uh, folks um, connected and engaged and collaborating. You know, our CEO posts uh, regular videos on the going ons within the company and announcements that affect what we're doing. Uh, our HR department is pushing out regular communications uh, related to COVID, related to our, our our benefit plans, related to resources that are available should anybody. Uh, have any need you know on the on the social side uh, we've encouraged uh, our small group happy hours uh, which you know they seem you may they may seem silly at first but it's those times to kind of just stay connected you know, yeah. you know somebody who's working you know morning to night in a you know cramped environment uh, not having the ability to get out and about and see other people or is caring for somebody that's at high risk and, and therefore can't can't go out. Um, you know, just encouraging one team member to reach out to another and and have a conversation, no particular agenda. Just give them a call. How are things going? What do you got going on? Anything exciting happening? Yeah. Well, I think you know we are we are social creatures, so I think you're right that that's you know it's such a huge part of it, and and I'm you know seeing more and more. From companies that uh, you know, having that engagement at the top, whether it's the CEO or you know at least some uh, the C-level uh, executives, be more out front and be more uh, you know communicative with the staff and with the company. I think that makes that goes a long way right now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, on that, we we've hosted small these would be a little, little formal but informal. We've hosted small group Zoom meetings or conference calls with 20 to 25 employees and one senior exec, one or two senior executives, maybe one that they work directly with, maybe one that they don't, uh, give them a chance to talk about you know, what's happening in the environment and then just open the floor and let people ask questions or talk about what's going on. We've gotten some great feedback from that in that you know, people might not be as willing to open up and have a big conversation in a large group but in a small group they will and the the executives and the, the senior team can take that back and and work with uh work with the company to find out ways to 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 add re, you know add resources um you know one thing that we added was started a group called uh, employee resource group called alone together right it's you know just it's that extra thing that's out there for you to be able to uh, connect with your coworkers uh, and associates around the company. Yeah, that small group idea that it, to me that seems like something that you know sticks around. You know, after the pandemic, after things get back to normal, that seems like something that's you know an enduring part of uh, you know corporate life now. Sure. Yeah. So let's uh, let's we're starting to run out of time here. So let's uh, uh, our last question here. That's uh, 
a bit of a, a softball because I know this is uh, you know definitely in your wheelhouse and something you're passionate about. Um, and I'm curious, what's you know from the commercial side? We talked a lot on the podcast here about uh, residential issues, um, but on the commercial side, what's the big you know advocacy issue that everyone should be focused on right now? And uh, how crucial are industry you know advocacy efforts right now? All right, there's no question that our advocacy efforts are are crucial all the time, more so now than ever. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of well-meaning uh, initiatives that that the legislature, and we're speaking mostly in in this regards to California, um, uh, have uh, to to deal with issues surrounding the pandemic. But there's a lot of things out there that that really the need need education and need information to be to be put forth in a way that the legislation that has passed uh, is meaningful uh, and is useful and is helpful to all you know a, a, a thing that was happened earlier this year was there was a bill uh, it was called sb 939 that effectively was was potentially allowing commercial tenants to vacate their leases you know in, effectively in violation of what we would see as contract law uh, that that was an important issue for us to to get up to you know, get our advocacy up in in Sacramento and talk to the legislatures about um, you know there's other pieces right now with uh, forbearance measures and eviction moratoriums that are constantly being uh, surfacing or resurfacing uh, and then this fall on the on the ballot uh, the split rule tax uh, has has made it to the ballot and that you know if the split rule tax measure passes. Uh, it, it it could be detrimental to um, you know real estate and commercial real estate in California with potentially seeing property taxes on uh, commercial properties uh, skyrocket in some cases. So you know I've been real active uh, on in the California Bay's Legislative Day for for years. Uh, it's a it's a great opportunity for folks to uh, get in front of legislatures whether they're the legislator that, that man, uh, is responsible for the district that you live in, uh, or is one that is responsible for uh, working on legislation that affects you, uh, the people around you, and the businesses that you're in. And it's a great way to get involved. Uh, I would encourage folks to to consider consider doing that, uh, and it helps uh, helps move move the industry forward. Yeah. Well, and I think for anyone that's you know curious about what's going on with the ballot measures, I mean, absolutely, you should be registered registering right now for the uh, upcoming Western States CREP conference. It's 100% virtual, and uh, but we will be having a, a, a specific panel session dedicated just to the ballot measures and having experts from uh, the California Business Roundtable and the California Apartment Association to talk about the impact that uh, those could have on the industry, like you mentioned. Uh, well, Ryan. Hey, thanks for the time today. Appreciate uh, appreciate the discussion. Always good to uh, see, if not, uh, you know, shake your hand in person. We, you know, see your face here, um, and uh, we'll hopefully see you here in the uh, coming months uh, when things open back up a little bit when we get through this and and uh, be able to actually shake your hand. So again, thanks for joining us. Well, Dustin, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, and if you enjoyed the conversation here, make sure and subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel here. You can also subscribe to us and listen to the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, I'll uh, say goodbye, and we'll see you next Monday morning for another episode of Connect. Mm -hmm.